morning, everybody. How are you doing? I'm just happy and excited about this. This is episode one of season one of Stand at Ease. As I said before, good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to the first episode of Stand at Ease. This show is going to be about giving back to the soldiers, giving them tools to put into their toolboxes to be successful in today's army. I'm Master Sergeant Jones, retired. I have served 26 years in the Army, and I can say it was the best decision for me in my life. There have been good days, and there have been bad days, but overall, I wouldn't change a thing. And with that being said, it, it's, it's taken me to different places. I've seen different cultures. I've seen different... Uh, amazing things and it, it's something that I can look back over in my life and I can tell my children my grandchildren and just to reminisce about all the camaraderie and support and mentorship and just many different things that um, allowed me to get to 26 years and so in this show, we will talk about topics that soldiers deal with and hopefully shed light on ways to maneuver and to be basically a better soldier, a combat ready soldier, a mentally ready soldier, a financially ready soldier, a family ready soldier. And, you know, that's what it's all about, is being prepared to be called upon. You have already taken the first step if you're in the Army or thinking about going to the Army. When you raise your hand to support and defend the Constitution, you're making the first step in supporting your country. Some of the topics we'll talk about today will be basic training, AIT, your first assignment as a soldier, soldiering, what is required, and we'll touch a little bit about non-commissioned officers. And so we're, we will tackle many different things that soldiers deal with that Sometimes these soldiers really don't get the right advice, and I'll get into that later. And I want to take the moment of I want to take a moment and have a moment of silence to acknowledge all our soldiers, from airmen to Marines to Navy to Army to Air Force soldiers who have given the ultimate sacrifice. Now, if you would like to support the podcast, you can send support uh, through this platform or Anchor uh, by Spotify, and um, we would greatly appreciate it to be able to upgrade equipment or uh, donate to charities and just different things like that. And uh, let's get into it.
basic training. Now we all know, you know, uh, the recruiters come to our high schools, uh, NCOs get recruiter duty and, you know, their job is to resource uh, the communities, the high schools, colleges, and they are to look for uh, citizens, American citizens who want to contribute um, to supporting their country, uh, green card citizens also. Uh, people here do have a desire to uh, support their country. Me, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Everybody used to always say, hey, is Baltimore like the wire? <laughs> and I can say, yes, it is. But um, a lot of people say, you know, wow, man, you made it out of there. Uh, you know, growing up was it was it was it was uh, was very unique. But um, I myself were uh, how can I put it? Hanging with you know family and friends, and you know, kind of going into directions that I should not go into. And so, I had made a decision and took it upon myself. And I want I went to. Mondawmin Mall in Baltimore, and I went to the recruiter station. Now, the sad thing is, man, I can't even remember my recruiter's name, but uh, we sat down, we talked, and he gave me the information and he gave me all the tools that I would need to go and take my ass bath. Uh, being that I'm a, from a, a family with a military background, uh, my brother was already in the Army. Uh, he uh, was already in the army, and so he gave me information of, hey, William, you want to choose this MOS, you want to do this, you want to do that, you want to do this, and you want to do that. And so I already had a uh, decision with the help of my brother of what I wanted to do when I went into the army. And so I uh, pretty much went and talked to the recruiter, and he set me up for the ASVAB. And so this is in 1987. So I took the ASVAB, scored okay. It wasn't super high. I think it was about uh, 100. And uh, I chose the uh, MOS 76 Charlie. And 76 Charlie is pretty much a record and parts specialist. And so I chose that. I went to basic training. And I think basic training has changed over the years. And I'm quite sure it has because uh, when I was in basic training, uh, I went to Fort Leonard Wood and I got there and went to reception place and they fed us good and gave us um, instructions and things to do and what not to do, had us practice doing things and many things like that. What was really striking to me is that I myself, I felt like I felt like we were being fattened up <laughs> to be slaughtered like hogs because they were feeding us good. They was giving us hostess pies, apple flavor, all that stuff. And so, you know, 
So you used to eating, you know, you're not going to turn that stuff down. And so uh, we went to basic training and got fattened up. And then I remember a drill sergeant saying, hey, I sure can't wait till y'all meet your drill sergeants. Well, maybe, I'm sorry, it wasn't the drill sergeant, it was replacement NCO. I can't wait till y'all meet your drill sergeant. And it's going to be an exciting day. And I kid you not, when them drill sergeants walked into that shedded room, a shed room uh, type of uh, old, old World War II barracks that we were in, and they stood up there, I've never seen, well, I won't say I've never seen, but when they walked in, man, they looked the part, and they were the part. And they were, they were big. They had their sleeves rolled up. They had their drill sergeant hats. Their arms were bulging out the sleeves so you could tell they was in the gym. Their uniform was starch pressed. Like you could stand it up in the corner. Like back in the day, you should starch them real hard. You could stand them up in the corner. And I was like, wow, shocking. And so in order for you to go to drill sergeant, you had to do, I mean, the, in order to go with the drill sergeants, you had to do 13 push-ups. And so me being myself, you know, as a young kid in Baltimore, I played uh, BNBL basketball, played uh, Project Survival, I played 12 and 14 on the basketball, um, I played football in the street, we played high tag, it, what time is it, hot butter beans, all those old games where you're constantly exercising and running. Um, I went to high school, I ran track at Mervo, Mergenthaler, that's what's up, hey, shout out, class 86, and um, I went to high school, I ran track, and so my body was already conditioned, my body was had already been through training and exercise regimens and things like that. So when it came time for me to do my 13 push-ups, I was like, ah, 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 ah. And I got up and they told me, uh, move over to the side of the room. But I would kid you not that there were some soldiers that couldn't even do 13 push-ups. When that happens, you have to go to Foxtrot Company. And Foxtrot Company is where they will immediately P2 you, give you physical training, which is more of the focus to get you to be able to do those 13 push-ups. And so while you go on the base training, you might see your friends that didn't make it a little bit later. And so that's kind of how that went. So now in 2021, 2022, uh, base training is probably 10 weeks and you'll be physically and mentally stronger than you ever been and ready to join a team that protects America. Now, basic training back back when I came in, it, it was it was um, I looked at it as uh, drill sergeants would would pretty much break you down. And when I say break you down, I'm talking about they would break you down to change your way of thinking. They would break you down in a sense of rebuilding how you eat, 
the time that you eat, um, the right moments of exercise, the right moments of cool down. So many different regimen things to pretty much, I'll say, reprogram you into thinking the way a soldier should think. Thinking that my, my battle buddy on my left and my battle buddy on my right have my back, I have their back. So they change the thinking to think in more of a camaraderie, cohesive, work, working together uh, type of thought to accomplish and do things that they ask you to do. And so I could remember uh, in basic training, uh, I was in uh, uh, Echo Third Five Two. And we had some really unique guys that were in our um, in our uh, company, and there was some of us that the drill sergeants just really liked to mess with us, and I already knew what it was. And so it was me. I'm from Baltimore. There's a friend of mine named Washington. Shout out to him. He also served on the Army boxing team. Washington was from DC. Uh, there was another guy. He was from Virginia. I can't remember his name at the time, man. And then we had the one guy named Lopez. I remember him because you know he he liked to start trouble. Lopez was from New York City, and for some strange reason, we all ended up in the same platoon. And I can tell you, they gave us hell because they called us city boys, city slickers, whatever like that. And so they so they already knew we had a type of swag about us in, in reference to difference to somebody that was from um, that was from, uh, you know, that down south or something like that. And um, I, I can remember that my my platoon, we pretty much were the best. We were the best at scoring. Uh, weapons, PT, uh, endocycle testing, and everything like that. And we all work together. But one thing about me is I'm a clown, and I've always been a clown. And I remember we had a drill sergeant named Zebedee and a uh, big guy, Caucasian guy, big muscle. He would be, uh, he would march us to the defect and other places like that. And when it came time to bring us to a halt, he pretty much would be like, a uh, uh, company halt. And I never understood why he would do that or what was making him do that. But uh, I remember one day we was leaving the defect and he uh, asked who wanted to march to the company, uh, who wanted to march the formation back to the company. And my friend Park, I think his name was Parker. Yeah, the one from Virginia named Parker. He just leaned out and was like, Jones, go do it. Because he know I was going to do something silly and be a clown. And <laughs> that's kind of what I did. So I got out there, company forward, and I got up there, five, five, one, two, three, four, did my thing and got up to the company. And when we got to the company, I pretty much imitated the drill sergeant. And I could just remember him being in front of the formation and then he kind of just leaned out to the side at me like that and he was like uh-huh i got your number 
And that guy rode me for the whole time I was at base training. So base training is great. Basic training teach you uh, things about first aid that you never knew, things about uh, weapons and how destructive they can be and, and what they're designed to do. Uh, but I remember watching the Claymore go off, and when I looked at the silhouette, I just was in awe and shocked of how it tore up the target. And I was just like, oh, my God, that is crazy. And so learned all these things, and I got held over. Then I went to Fort Lee, Virginia, down in Petersburg, Virginia, for AIT. And so AIT was pretty much 11 weeks. And the drill sergeants were a little bit lenient, I would say, because you wasn't in basic training. You was, you know, moving on to the next iteration of your training where you learn your skill. And pretty much back then, if you failed a test learning your skill, they would give you options that you can go home or you could go be a cook or something like that. And I failed the test and I was like, I'm not going to be no cook. I'm not standing over no grill. But that was just me. And so I retook the test. I did great. I did fine. And so, you know, there was a lot of rules and you was in different phases and you couldn't get your civilian clothes back to phase five and then be able to, you know, go places and do things at Fort Lee and everything like that. And I have many other stories about Fort Lee, but we'll get to that later. And so I did AIT and my first assignment was at Fort Campbell, Kentucky at the 158th Aviation Regiment which I still have friends from this to this day that were stationed with me back then that um, that are retired now. And um, we, we, we maintain our friendship. Fort Campbell was very interesting. My first time being in a place like Kentucky. And it, it was it was it was pretty much a good a good first five years in the military. And so I learned a lot of things. I had a lot of teachers and mentors and there's other things I faced while I was on my first assignment, but um, I'll have to get into that in a later date. And so after, you know, you go through basic training, you get the AIT, the next thing you got to deal with is soldiering. And what is soldiering? What is soldiering? I see what the, uh, the thing says. I don't really want it to say what is soldering or something like that, but, uh, you know, soldiering and definition. Uh, I'll just put it in my own perspective. Soldiering is taking everything you learn from basic training. Well, let me start off. Soldiering to me is taking the values from your mother and your father, your grandmother, whoever raised you, and kind of applying that to what you learn in basic training and what you learn in AIT. And so when you get to your unit, you already are pretty much understanding what is required of you because if, 
if you had good drill sergeants, they would tell you what to expect because they once were you. So they would tell you what to expect. And so it's pretty much is be where you're supposed to be, be in the right uniform, <laughs> don't get in no trouble. I put it like that. Soldiering, getting up in the morning, making sure you shave, brush your teeth, make sure you took a shower the night before, make sure your clothes, your uniform is clean. So when you show up to PT and you get your training to help you stay healthy and mentally healthy, and then you go eat breakfast and you do all those things and you go to first formation, which is the most important in the morning in this accountability. Now, many people do accountability different, but basically accountability is the person that's in charge of that formation has to know where every soldier is or where they're at. If they're at an appointment, if they're on leave, if they're at school, if they're on CQ, you know, if they're on a detail, if they TDY, that person has to know all that information. So when the first sergeant tell him to report, he gives a correct, accurate accountability of everyone that's in his formation. Yes. Now I've seen times where I know for sure the soldier in formation and the person in front still report them as accounted for. That's not the way to do it. If the person is not on a legitimate uh, excuse to be away from the formation, they are out of ranks. Now I understand the you know covering and things like that, but if we're going to report correct information, we need to report correct information because we were already taught in basic training in AIT what is required of us and what the regulation says and how accountability is done. So if you're not there and you didn't call anyone and you just feel like somebody's going to cover you, if they cover you, that's really defeating the purpose of making you accountable to be in that formation. If you get reported out of ranks, most times things that happen like that on the discretion of who's in charge could be a slap on the wrist. It could be a 4856 counseling. If you get three of those, they could push to have you reduce in rank or they could push to have you uh, chapped it out of the army because it'll pretty much be like you cannot adapt to the military lifestyle. And that's what basic training in AIT is to kind of groom you to be able to perform in this military lifestyle that you chose when you raised your hand to come in the army. And so soldiering is different. And I would say that in my 26 years, I've seen many different facets, many different walks of life in reference to soldier, even me being a soldier once with all my other uh, soldiers that were in when I came in and things like that. And many soldiers are, um, many soldiers are different. I just put it that way. Many soldiers are different, different walks of life, different backgrounds, uh, raised by different individuals in their family, um, in their family hierarchy. Um, some come with uh, issues and some 
grow up in a perfect life, perfect family. Some uh, grow up in different environments and and uh, come in the army and kind of have to get used to uh, that army lifestyle. And you know, the thing I, I've seen in reference to that uh, is when it was coming time for me to get out the military and I was I would be out and I would see soldiers out and you know one thing that I realized when I was a soldier a young soldier is that my lifestyle and things I did uh in civilian life I couldn't bring into the army because just like in civilian life and civilian life there's laws and rules I mean laws that govern uh cities and municipalities but there's laws that prevent you from doing things and certain things and you would get pretty much in trouble if you you know if you take and do certain things so the army's like that too so if you come into the army and you still got that street mentality i would tell you to lose it um if you come into the army and there's things that you're dealing with that you have pushed in the back of your mind and you're trying to do this new life, they have programs and counselors and behavioral health and things to help you work through those things while you're trying to um, adjust to this army life. And they do help and they do work. And if any time anybody's ever feeling um, suicidal, you know, there are programs and there are hotline numbers to help you in case you feel like you know that you, that you can't deal with, with with many things and you got the military one source you got the chaplains the acs you got your command uh you got your your, your, your leader you got your supervisor you got your platoon sergeant platoon leader your company commander your first sergeant many people are there as a lifeline uh to to help you and so I notice how, yeah, you know, like many soldiers try to bring that that lifestyle with them, and I would tell you that if you bring that lifestyle with you, you probably are going to go home early once you get to your permanent duty station. Um, I, I I would say like if a I would say, and this is not all soldiers. If a soldier is new in the army, he just left AIT, and let's say he goes to Korea. And I know everybody's like, oh, 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 yes, Korea. To me, Korea should not be, well, I really can't say that. If it's going to be a soldier's first duty station, then it's going to be it. But nine times out of ten, that that's, uh, when you get on that peninsula, that is a whole different world than what you're dealing with. Things are accessible to you. Because um, I know when I first went to Korea, I've seen people I knew that were underage, that was drinking, uh, you know, being a young soldier. Uh, I went to Korea, that was a, I was a E4, I believe. I think it was E4. But um, Korea is totally different, you know. And when I went in, when I was there, they didn't have a curfew and you know, it was clubs. But besides 
that there's many things to do in Korea, many sites to go visit, many uh, temples and just shopping. And it could be a really good uh, change of scenery, um, change of environment for a person that's never been out to the country. And you learn culture and you try different foods and you make friends, you know, for a lifetime. And I left Korea in 2020, just before I retired. And I can tell you that, um, and these soldiers are, I've seen some things that, uh, that I was just, I was in awe to understand how these soldiers were acting and things that, that they were doing. And it was just really shocking. And I don't even know if I know how to put it in words that, uh, you know, I know things are different from when I first came in, but um, it was, it was very eye-opening eye um, that um, there's things that need to be done uh, I won't say go back to the old ways, but there's some basics that need to be done for these soldiers, mentorships, different programs, um, some things to be curtailed just to make the fighting force good. And so I'm on my uh, last 30 seconds. Uh, so I'd like to give a shout out uh, to all the soldiers, all the ones that came before us. Um, all the ones that gave the ultimate sacrifice. Um, God bless you. And thank you for taking the time to listen. And on the next episode, we'll dig into the um, non-commissioned officer and different things like that. God bless. Peace.